Oh, hi there. My name is Bonnie Lippincott, mom of two. During the transformation into motherhood, I learned I need to trust my intuition, forgive myself, and know that I'm growing alongside my children on this journey. The title entry-level mom is meant to highlight the obvious. We have no formal training, but everything we need is already within our DNA. This podcast is connected to my book, Entry-Level Mom, and the goal is to share honest and vulnerable stories with friends to encourage each other. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we discuss postpartum, baby blues, and placenta pills. My dear friend Rebecca is a kind, supportive, brilliant mom of four, and we discuss all things postpartum. We talk about expectations, preparation, breastfeeding, and all the realities of the fourth trimester. We discuss fighting our egos to make time to rest and share our honest, vulnerable experiences along with the lessons. I hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Thank you for my tea. Rebecca. You're so welcome. Bonnie. We're going to talk about postpartum. Mm-hmm. We're two entry-level moms. Yes. With a just gaggle of children between Correct. the two of us. <laughs> I have two and you have four. I do. Four. Accidentally. <laughs> Twins. Twins, eh? May. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I have four. I have a five-year-old. I have a, a three-year-old, sorry. And I have two one-year-olds. All boys. All boys. God bless me. Amazing. <laughs> so I don't know anything about girls. Although I don't know how much different that would be at this at this age, and certainly for the postpartum journey, it's probably going to make no difference at all. Right. Although scientifically, it might because your hormone balance would be different potentially. You're such a genius. But I don't know if that's. But I don't know if that would be anyway. So I can't talk to that. But yeah, we're going to talk about postpartum, hmm. which is a very, very deep, rich time, which can be very scary, unexpectedly so. And I think there's a lot of, I think in my opinion, and I'm just going to jump right into this, but I think in my opinion, or in my experience, when I was pregnant with my first, I did a lot of research, a lot of research into pregnancy and staying healthy and doing the best thing for the baby and the best thing for me, etc. And I did a lot of fun planning, like the nursery, mm-hmm. which was totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Like totally unnecessary. Never went in there. Never go in there because the baby sleeps with you. And case in point, I didn't do very much preparation for postpart- the postpartum phase. I didn't do much. I didn't do much research into breastfeeding or how often they needed to be bathed or how to look after them or anything like that. I basically did all this work. Oh, I did a hypnobirthing course to prepare for labour. I love that. So I did all of that, and then as soon as the baby was born, I was like, <laughs> and now what? Yeah, yeah. And I remember the nurse the in the uh, hospital saying like okay well let's try and breastfeed and I was like cool how often like do I have to do this and she was like oh every two hours and I was like what (laughs) you mean from the end to the beginning and she was like no from beginning to beginning yeah it was the that was one of the worst moments of my life it's horrendous and the point I'm trying to make is I just did not prepare for that I don't think I felt like I prepared so much for pregnancy and delivery but but the postpartum period I was completely clueless. Totally clueless. How, um, really how to, and also how to care for myself. Yeah. I needed all the help I could get. Right. Just make sure I was drinking enough water and yeah. help standing up and all that. So yeah, I agree. Right. And it feels like now when I look back on it, the postpartum period feels like a big old house with all of its windows and doors shut. 
because you're sort of living in this semi-twilight, you have no idea what time it is, your body is all off, everything feels a bit wrong, like it's, it's a lot and I could have been so much kinder to myself, excuse me, I certainly tried to be for the next, well for the twins, I certainly did my third pregnancy. Second pregnancy was different because it was the pandemic, so it was, we were in lockdown pretty much immediately after I had my second. So that was all very topsy-turvy. But yeah, this huge, it's this huge part of recovery and part of the process that you just don't, aside from seeing women on Instagram cradling their newborn babies, looking all gorgeous and talking about how these moments were like the best of their lives and how perfect this little being was and how in love they were, which, which as we're talking about it, I did not feel at all. Um, so yeah, I think I wish I had done a little bit more thinking about, about postpartum. Mm. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing. For you. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting when I first met, I mean, my firstborn, I thought, and I'm not an idiot, but I was like, there's a baby in there after all. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, and you're brand new to me. And I was just so, I didn't have like my mom instincts yet. I didn't know what cries meant what. I didn't quite know. I actually asked the nurse, like, can I nurse him now? Right, <laughs> She's right. Like, you're the mom. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, but like, I didn't want to affect. Meanwhile, I just birthed him. That was so bizarre. <laughs> no, but it's almost like you do have to ask permission because you, permission because you can't believe that someone is just going to entrust this infant to you with no qualifications. Right. Like when they told me, when they asked me in, in America, it's different from at home. At home in England, they just like get rid of you. Like as soon as you're good to go, they're like see ya. Whereas they are, the nurses asked us at one some point, like when do you want to go home? And I was like, uh. That's up to you. Like, do you, do I decide? Do I have to decide, make that decision? And that's just the first of many really hard decisions that I was totally un, unprepared for and unprepared to make. But that's interesting what you said about meeting them as well, because that is true. No matter how much you think about them and talk to them and, you know, imagine your life and you see the ultrasounds and stuff like that, they are, they are when they're born, they are a stranger to you. They, they know you on a biological level and you know them. And I think they very, you very much know each other on a soul level, but you have to get acquainted. And that, that took me, that took me some time to get acquainted mm -hmm. and to start to really like them. I mean, obviously you're obsessed with them because they're so tiny and they're yours and they're so wonderful. But it took me, it took me a while to think, yeah, I, th I think I do love this child, especially because I feel like the first couple of weeks were just so awful. Disorienting. Yeah. Disorienting, confusing, traumatic, mm. you're sleep deprived. And, and people talk about the sleep deprivation, but it's like one of those, you know what it's like? It's like the time I had anal fissures. And I was like, why does everyone say, oh, it's a pain in the ass? Because until you have had a pain in the ass, you don't even know <laughs> how painful it is. And that was the thing. Like I knew about sleep deprivation, <laughs> but I didn't know didn't know on a body level oh. and it's just it's killer mm -hmm. and then I mean when you add nursing into that it's just like an absolute shit show was nursing different for you from your first to your second to your third and fourth? yeah I mean nursing it's something I always wanted to do but I, I was I was I felt like I was very um I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself and like in a, on an intellectual level, I did believe that, mm. but on a, on a whole other mum level, I guess it's the first kind of mum guilt that you feel like I did feel very 
<clears throat> very bound to do it and like it was a failure if I didn't it was awful for me honestly I want to just cry thinking about it like it's just so hard it was the least natural natural thing I've ever done it wasn't natural for me either oh <clears throat> on, on number one but number two was a lot easier but number right, one interesting it hurt every single time, every time for a month straight I, there was no breaks where it didn't hurt for the first entire month it hurt and I remember thinking, and you know, Ryan would bring the baby over. He's oh. hungry again. I'm like, there's no, no fucking way he's hungry again. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And oh. I just kept like biting down and, yeah. you know, just waiting for it to be. And, and, you know, they want to latch as much of that nipple needs to go in the mouth as possible. It's wild. Right. Because it's, <laughs> it's so painful. And for so many people, it's so painful. Mm. And then you have like, the, the, there's so many other levels to it. Like. You just feel like you, you ha you're so obsessed with what you eat. Yes. Because you're like, you want to make sure that your milk's good enough. And the thing with breastfeeding is you never have any idea really how much they're eating or how much they're getting out. So you, 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 it's like, I've got no idea. But yeah, the pain and the discomfort. We ended up going to like a lactation specialist and it did get better with Jasper, <clears throat> my eldest. With Noah, I was expecting it. So I knew it was going to be awful. Um, and then we couldn't get him onto a bottle, um, so he didn't start a bottle till he was about eight months. And at that point, I developed like some. I never got mastitis, but I had loads of so much pain. I actually went to the emergency room once because the pain was so bad. <clears throat> and in the end, I was like, he's got to get on a bottle because, like, every time I feed him, like all my toes and like just yes. curling, like <laughs> so painful. And then with the twins, I had another traumatic. I, I don't want to say traumatic because. We were saying the other day about overusing and misusing very, very big words. And, you know, I don't think it is, it was traumatic, but it was a, a horrible journey with the twins as well. I wanted so badly to do it, but breastfeeding twins is a, a whole thing. My twins were small, they couldn't latch. I ended up getting all this milk. Well, I got my milk in early because I got COVID and went into false labor. And then when the babies came... And then I was getting all this milk, but I couldn't, I couldn't express it. I couldn't get it out my nipples. Like, so I was engorged, but yeah. it just wouldn't come out. Yep. I was engorged um, before. There's no fear, like, <clears throat> not being able to feed your baby fear. I remember hard. thinking, like, they're so, they were so full of milk, but there was, like, a blockage. I, I, I had never well, experienced say, that before. Right. No. And they say it's usually mental. It's stress. But mm. how can you not be stressed? Right. Like, the nursing, the nursing was just mind-blowing to me how... How hard and awful it was. And as soon as I became a mom, I realized how few nursing moms I had been around throughout my life just right. to even watch and learn right. in a society. In a collective society, right. Yeah. And so that's a great point. Right? And I also think because I um tried to nurse in public as much as I mm. could just to kind of like this should be the norm. And actually, I think it's lovely living in California. I was never told to cover up. Not once was I told no. to you know, go in the other room or, and I kind of did away with the covers quickly because they would fidget and get hot. And so yeah. I would just nurse out in the open. And that was like, um, a new experience for me. But I remember being in New Orleans and we went on a carriage ride and I remember thinking I was on the carriage ride nursing my son. Like I deserve more beads in the city than anybody. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Like, look at what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Nursing. That's a whole, that's a whole thing I wish I'd done more planning for. I wish I'd done like a breastfeeding class. Oh, I mean, yeah. 
admittedly, there's not a lot you can do until you're in it in the person with your particular baby with their particular mouth and appetite. Yes. Like, there's not tons you can do, but I really had not prepared for that. And I expected it to be natural. Yes, me too. I expected it to be very intuitive and, of course, a little bit painful at the beginning, but, you know, something you could ease into. And, yeah, it was not... And every time I, I gave up breastfeeding with all of my children, I had a week at least of tears and mm. shame and not ready to give it up and my partner being so wonderful and suggesting that I give it up, but in a very non-pressured way mm. <clears throat> and me just saying, I can't right now, I can't, like, you don't understand, like, gosh, uh, yeah. And, and there is something lovely about it, obviously. And there's something wonderful about being the person that gives your baby the thing, the thing that they need. And there is something quite selfish about that connection, and, and not selfish in a bad way, but it's 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 very, it's a bond. It is a bonding experience that perhaps I wasn't ready to give up. But yeah, I mean, I, we could write. You could write a whole book. I mean, people have just about like the horrors of nursing <laughs> and like how to prepare and how to. But that's what my one of my old oldest friends just got pregnant, and I did say to her like that's the one thing I would have done differently. I would have done a breastfeeding class. Mm, that's really good advice. Because I just did not think about it. I'm gonna pull up the questions that I prepared. Oh my gosh! About postpartum. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Oh my gosh! You're so welcome. <laughs> Imagine if I didn't, and you just asked me the questions, and I just said no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number one. Mm -hmm. What surprised you about postpartum? Yeah, what surprised you about it? Which we kind of just covered. I promise I was listening. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. I think, honestly, everything surprised me about postpartum. Yeah. Because nothing, well, nothing can prepare, prepare you for it. Nothing can prepare you for the reality of taking home a newborn baby and it being expected to look after them. And I guess it doesn't matter how many classes you do and how many books you read, like, you just don't get it until you're in it. So I think, and because I had, I, because I hadn't done any reading, like every, everything was surprising, everything was new, everything you have to learn how to do. You have to read a load of sources, you have to ask your friends. Obviously at the same time, you're making up your own mind about the kind of parent you're gonna be. And that's really hard. So definitely, yeah, definitely everything. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, one thing that was quite interesting looking back is how quickly my body, I don't want to say recovered because it's not like an injury that you recover from, but my body sort of knew what it was doing quite quickly in terms of, you think about what you've just achieved, you think about the pressure your body's been under for nine months, eight months, however long you, you're pregnant for, and the adjustments it has to make, which are just phenomenal, and I'm not even a doctor, so I don't even know the half of it, but the, the, the adjustments your body has to make, and then you have the baby, and your body sort of goes, not back in like you get your body back, but you can walk again in a way that you probably haven't been able to do for a long time and you can pee again in a way that you haven't been able to like you can hold pee which you haven't been able to and yeah I remember that was quite considering what you've gone through and you know the watermelon you've just birthed um I thought that was quite phenomenal I thought that too in the recovery room I thought 
I feel so much better. Oh, <laughs> you can yeah. bend over, touch your toes right. again. And I remember, because I remember feeling some of the hormones immediately with, um, I was doing some research before right. to prepare for this, but you know, when we expel the placenta, we have a huge drop in progesterone, which progesterone is known for its mood elevating effects. So throughout our pregnancy, the, the placenta is growing and producing mood elevating effects. And then when we birth it all out, suddenly it's a huge drop. So the first couple of days after birth, we're equalizing and re-equilibrating our hormones. And so for me, I felt euphoria. I felt anxiety and, and like agitation and I felt happy again. <laughs> it was just a big way for the first, at least first couple of days, but it was an absolute roller coaster postpartum too. And I thought, I, I said, Ryan, look at my body. I, I felt like a supermodel after I gave birth, which makes no sense because objectively, it does, never, actually. I never like looked, you know, worse probably, but I felt so strong and capable and in a way that like you're describing how it's kind of amazing how I didn't snap back and I'm never going to snap back. That's not the point. It was like this body had just, yeah, birthed a watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I felt so um, strong afterwards. Yeah, then, because then you cried. get up. And <laughs> <laughs> for 18 years. <laughs> but you, you, you give birth and then you, unless you have a C-section or complications, you know, fairly quickly you're getting up, you're walking to the toilet very slowly, albeit, but you are doing those things. Which is, which is amazing. And I, I share the same sentiment. I felt fantastic after having a baby, especially after my first one, because we, birth, we decided to birth Jasper without any pain medication. And the, that whole experience was so, I want to say tr transcendental, but I, I don't think I'm saying it right. And I also don't think that's the right word. It was... For weeks, months afterwards, before I go, would go to sleep, I would think about the experience and it would just give me this... I just felt so... Like, I cannot believe I did that. Like, it was so hard. So... But that's so interesting, because... What you said about the flood of hormones, because... I'm now surprised that I didn't feel worse. Because you have that drop-off in hormones. Plus the fact that... You've just basically run a marathon. This is what, actually, this is definitely what surprised me. I couldn't believe that after giving birth, I wasn't allowed to rest. <laughs> I, I just could not believe, like, biologically, how does that make sense? Right, we should be... I, you should have, like, 12 hours saying, do you know what, we're going to give you a warm bath and a bed, and you because you have literally just given birth to a human being, you can rest and recover. But no, it's like... <laughs> Hi, I'm your night nurse. Time to breastfeed. Like, I could not believe that. And I guess that's what they did, like, 50 or 60 years ago. They took the babies away and put them in the nursery, right? Mm -hmm. And gave you time to recover, um, which now makes so much sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I could not believe I didn't get a chance to rest. So, as well as the hormone drop-off, you're then absolutely exhausted, just to add that into the mix. True. I, like, I'm surprised that I wasn't, like, dragging along the floor, I'm surprised I felt I felt okay. That's cool. And also well done on an epidural free birth. I I yeah. understand how you would like you would think back on that moment just to feel how proud you were of yourself yeah. for that moment and you think I can do that, I can do this. I feel like birth sets us up well for I could do that and that was so hard and then I can also figure out the nursing schedule or right. the doctor visits, which right. is so hard to leave the house at first and you know, all this oh stuff. Oh gosh, the doctor visits. Yeah. Yeah. That's another crazy thing. 
you go home and then like two days later you've got to go to the doctor and you're like how you have to get in the car you have with this child <laughs> i'm still bleeding from my yeah. vagina yes. like and you expect I mean, me to dry like that is insane to me especially mm-hmm. in this system because it's a private healthcare system so i would assume that i mean you should have someone coming to you surely yeah surely someone should come to you because all they're doing really is measuring weighing the baby and then telling you that you need to feed them more often and you're like that's literally the last thing i want to hear <laughs> like that. And you leave crying yeah. <laughs> then you leave crying yeah and they're like oh yeah good luck so that that was a massive surprise as well yeah i mean the whole thing yeah i will tell you about the experience another day because that was but interestingly when i when i was pregnant with my second i had this vague inclination that i would not even inclinations, vague notion that I would do the same thing. But I, as soon as I went into labour and started having contractions, I could not, I was like, why? I couldn't, I didn't have enough willpower. The first time I had the willpower, I wanted to, and the reason I did it was because I'd never been in labour before and I wanted to experience and see if I could, like, see what it felt like. And, and it was, it, it was, you know, the, it was an ego challenge as well. I guess. Um, but yeah, as soon as I started having contractions, contractions with Noah, I was like, <laughs> I want an epidural immediately. And then when they gave me the epidural, I was like, this is a fucking joke. This is like cheating. <laughs> I'm lying there. Yeah. And then I'm like, what do I do now? And they're like, oh, just have a nap. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Joe went to KFC. I mean, it was great. <laughs> great choice, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I know. I, I got an epidural with both births. And it felt like it was the first time I smiled in the whole process. And I looked over Ryan, I'm like, sorry about before. (laughs) Sorry about the last nine months. And I just rolled over and took a nap. Yeah. And then, like you said, birth is, my aunt called this, and birth is an Olympic event. Right. Pushing, you're just so exhausted. So I was like, I'm going to rest up for my Olympic event coming up. But then it's actually not an Olympic event if you have the epidural. Because they're like, oh, I think you're ready to push. And this was was my second as well. It was easy for me to push too. It was easy. Both ones. They're like... They were like, oh, you can start pushing now. And I'm like, because uh, you can't really feel. So you're like, is this doing something? And they're like, oh, here is the baby. Wow. I'm like, cool. Great. Like, that was not what it was like without the epidural. But yeah, that's a conversation for another day. Did you have an epidural with the twins? Yes, I definitely did. And why was that? I think same reason. You're like, let's just, that was great last time. I got to nap. Yeah, and I think with the twins as well, I think they want you to have an, I think they oh. encourage it because the chances of complications are so high in delivery. Because remember I told you I delivered the twins in the operating theatre. That's right. Operating room, whatever you call it here. Um, because there's, there is a risk that, you know, one will come out and the other will get stuck or something like, because there's two in there. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but that's what twins means. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so I think, and also I didn't have the, I mean, to be honest though, by, by my third pregnancy, I could have pushed those babies out without, with like no effort, I imagine. Like it was like a freeway down there. Like, I was like, which lane would you like to take? <laughs> you could both come out at once if you want. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Back to postpartum. Yes. We're going to get back on track. Track. Yeah. The freeway. Back in the right lane. Placenta pills. Yes. Okay. How did they make you feel? And did you do placenta pills encapsulation after each pregnancy? Um, can I ask you a question first? Yeah. You have you did them. Yes. Why did you do them? What was your what was your thinking? Um, I was told about them in my prenatal yoga class, mm-hmm. and 
the women recommended them for you know, milk production and mood elevation. And I was very nervous about postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. It runs in my family. Thankfully, my aunts, cousins, and mom did speak openly about it. So I knew, I knew a lot, a lot about it. So I was trying to look for some preventative stuff, some natural stuff. I don't want to brag, but I was a yogi. <laughs> I so, can tell just by looking yeah, at you. Namaste. So, <laughs> so I went to my OBGYN and I asked her, is there anything I could do? And I, I even brought it up, the placenta pill encapsulation. I don't want to make a lasagna or anything. Yeah, yeah. But what about this? And she's like, there's no true data or science behind this yet, but a lot of women swear by it. Here's a card of a woman who makes them. Call her up and see if it'll help you. So I did. I told Ryan about it, and he was like, cool. Yes. He was silent about it, which I'm so <laughs> thankful. Because I, I was kind of nervous, like, is this right. disgusting? And and Ryan's like, you do what you want to do. You know? <laughs> so... And it ended up being the best thing ever. Because in my experience with postpartum, I felt like there was almost like a visible dark cloud that would come over me. And I was down and feeling low. And I would have all these negative intrusive thoughts. And I didn't have the energy to swat them away. Like I had been practicing my whole life. You know, mm -hmm. you're a bad mom. Your kids deserve a better mom. You know, I thought you'd be better at this. And I would just let them sit. But if I took the placenta pill... I would have an increase in mood and energy and I would say, no, that's not real. That's a lie. I'm trying my best. You're, you love the kids more than anybody in the world. Therefore, you are the best person to care for them. And I even rationed them because they helped me so much. And Ryan called them my happy pills because there was a, you know, 20 minutes after taking one, I just felt more like myself. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's like so a I coping can... thing. Like it helps you cope better. Yeah, because because especially post motherhood, motherhood in general, but especially postpartum, it does feel like you are just getting sh you're just taking hits. Yes. Like yeah, you have to feed them, and it's going to be excruciating, and you have to do it every two hours. Actually, you have to do it more than every two hours, and it's from the beginning to the beginning, and it's just like hit after hit after hit. So to be able to feel like you can actually cope with it, that's I think that is that's a different way. I think that's a different way of looking at it. Because, I mean, my experience was similar in that I was very worried about postpartum depression. And not that it was in my family, but depression is in my family. And I had suffered, or have suffered, from that particular um, condition since I was like 16. Actually, probably since I was earlier than that, but I first, I first got diagnosed when I was about 16. So I was like, okay, if this is going to happen to someone, it's probably going to happen to me. Like, let's just lay our cards on the table. I was really concerned about it. So I think I, I don't even know how I found out about it. Because I, I don't think it's something I'd even thought about really before. I guess maybe you just came out. I mean, probably just got served it on like Instagram or something. <laughs> like, let's be honest. And I was really excited about them. And, um... Oh, I know how I found out about it because I did that hypnobirthing course. Oh, cool. And the lady who ran it was a is a yoga teacher and doula and various mm. bits and pieces. And she actually did placenta encapsulation. So that's who I did it with um, for my first. And I was so... I mean, they, the smell of them is unlike anything. The earthiness of it. Mm. But it's kind of... It kind of... I kind of find that satisfying because it's like, you no, know, we are of the earth. And you know, it's very, it's like a very base, fundamental, primitive sort of smell. Um, but I, I, I did not get postpartum depression. 
And I could not believe it. That's so fantastic. I could not believe it. I mean, I had some really tough moments and some really low moments. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't know whether it was the pills or whether it was chance or whether it was placebo. And I didn't care. Oh, yeah. And when it came to my second and then my third pregnancy, I literally didn't care. I was like, well, obviously I'm doing it again. Especially with twins, because you have double the hormones. So you have oh, double the hormones, because you have right. two, well, sorry. If you have fraternal twins and you have two placentas. Okay. If you have identical twins, you have one placenta. So I don't think that you have double the hormones. I didn't know that. I, but I, that could be incorrect. But with fraternal twins, I had two placentas, so I had double the hormones. So I knew mm. I was going to have double the drop-off. Plus... I already had two children chasing after them <laughs> and like my life was already really tough so yeah I did it with all of them uh, and I do not regret that at all it made it, it do you know it just made me feel so much more reassured as well going into it yes because I too. felt like I, I was like preparing for it yes. and being like I was like okay well if this happens then I've, I've got this plan I have a plan so did you bring your own ice chest in <laughs> sure I did. did the cooler <laughs> and she made like placenta arts did you get an umbilical cord? I did, too? but I lo- well, I lost all of those. Me too. But she made she made she got a piece of paper and then put my placenta on it, like like an imprint. I would love to see this because <laughs> it's really spectacular, I mean, like a root Joe, of a tree or something. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, it is essentially just a load of my blood and membranes on a piece of paper. And Joe was like, "There is no way we're keeping this right," and I was like, "Wrong." <laughs> we are keeping because it's fascinating because you I have seen this it thing the in fireplace. you. No, I'm <laughs> you like, especially. I wanted to see what my percent looked like. I couldn't believe how big it was. I know. Could gorgeous. not believe how big it was. And how um, there was rainbow elements to it, right? Oh, I did not see that. Okay. Maybe not mine. Maybe yours did. <laughs> I'm sorry, there was a butterfly. That's cool, though. Yeah, it was definitely. I would definitely recommend it to anyone. I mean, and God, I I don't know. And it's interesting that your doctor said there was so little research, which doesn't surprise me because it's women's health. Um, We're a woman. Why would there be research? Why would there be research? Like, why would you put money into that? It's just like, well, that's a waste of time. I know what we'll do. We'll do more studies on Viagra. That's a better idea. That's a better use of resources. And what helped? What was something that helped you? This is... The trick about motherhood is that there's no no two mothers have the same experience. (laughs) Because no two mothers are the same person going into it. And no two children are the same. So every time you go through a pregnancy and a birth, the, the experience can be different. And... Obviously, there's so there's so much context contextual stuff as well. Like it's not just you and your baby in a vacuum. <laughs> Unfortunately, actually. So with with my with my first, I was totally unprepared, and I did I did feel the need to and the want to the genuine desire to get into a schedule, get moving, get on with things. Um, I had been working my whole life up until that point. I was very used to being productive, to getting things done. It was a very comfortable place for me to live. And I think I did get, I did sort of get back into that mindset very quickly. With my second, because of the pandemic, it was all very different. Um, and actually that whole experience was very, very difficult and very, very isolating because we were literally isolating. Yeah. Um, Same. so that was, that was different and I couldn't do much to help. I couldn't see people. I couldn't have people over. I couldn't, my parents couldn't come and stay and help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't give, drop him off, you know, to be looked after by other people. I couldn't go to the mummy and me groups. I couldn't 
meet other mums. I couldn't like literally do anything. So that was very different. With the twins, I was so determined to do it differently because I knew I knew what I had done in the past and I knew I knew what hadn't worked. And for me, what hadn't worked is almost trying to just act like it hadn't happened in the sense that you go back to your old life and you go back to your old habits. With the twins, I really wanted to lean into the fact that this was probably going to be my last pregnancy and my last postpartum period. And, you know, having twins does give you permission because it is different, because it is so extra. It does give you permission to be a little, or it gave me permission to be kinder to myself. Like I've not just had a baby, I've had two babies. Mm. And my, my parents were here, which was amazing. Like they wanted to come for my first baby and I said, no, I want to do it on my own. Second baby pandemic, the, the twins, I was like hundred percent. They were here for like a month before the babies came and then like two months afterwards. Amazing, could not, I mean, very, very privileged, incredibly grateful. If you can have that kind of help, it really does make a difference because they basically just looked after the older two and the babies actually when I was resting. But I remember my dad saying to me, are you gonna get dressed? <laughs> <laughs> this is classic Jezza um, and I was like no why? no I am not I could get dressed and go for a walk 100% but I have done lots of reading about different cultures and the way they treat the fourth trimester in particular and postpartum in general and there is such a softness to it there's such a to the whole approach which is stay indoors draw the blinds mm. speak in this very low soothing voice mm. Um, don't get dressed. Do whatever you've got to do. Be kind to yourself. Sit on the sofa. Eat warm, nourishing food. All of this kind of thing. And I hadn't, I hadn't really leaned into it. I hadn't leaned into that period before. I mean, for multiple different reasons. This was, you know, I wasn't going back to work with these two, so that's different as well. I didn't have to get them on a schedule. I wasn't rushing to, to get things sorted for when I went back to work. So, I think that for the twins that really really helped it was just really leaning into it and trying to just be super super kind to myself and treating it like an event like this is this is an event and i'm gonna i'm my little perfectionist heart is gonna do is this event the best i can do and that means extra rest and extra extra ease and everything so but like I said before, every woman is different. Every baby is different. Every circumstance is different. It's, it's unrealistic to think that most women could do that. Of course. Um, I mean, I guess then... I saw this thing this morning, actually. No, actually, that's not relevant. It was kind of relevant, but it's not that relevant. I guess be kind to yourself. But like... Fuck. <laughs> I mean, sure. Okay. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, Hard. like, okay, Practical. cool. Like, great. But it's not, you know... It's not, it's not practical. But I like how you said you treated it like the event that it was. Yeah, right. And how you also looked at other cultures and you were intent on doing this one differently. And you're going to draw the blinds and soothe yourself. Right. And um, I just love that so much. Because after, yeah, I can just, I can relate to my first one. I tried to pretend like, okay, business as usual. This right. baby's going to fit into my life. Absolutely. I was out there trying to unpack the car and my mm -hmm. mother-in-law was like, what are you doing? You are not supposed to lift. This is actually really important like for your healing. You should go right. inside now. And I'm so thankful that I had like matrons around me and to kind of guide me when my ego was like, no, show them that you can lift the luggage or whatever. Right. But that's a really, that's a really good point. You, you almost need someone. If it's not going to be yourself, then it has to be someone else to just give you permission to rest. I mean, this is that's a whole conversation about 
our society in general and resting and the whole like opinion about it and everyone feels guilty for resting but when when you've just had a baby like it's it was helpful to, for me to think about it as the fourth trimester capital t capital f capital t you know this is the event like this is happening this is happening in my body i don't have to do at least for this month yes i can and i did you know i did very slowly get up and out and i went for walks and but it, it's hard because my ego is saying, oh, you're being lazy. You know, my, my dad, my father is saying, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so you ha- I had to really fight for that. I had to really fight for it. Mm. Um, yeah. I remember my friends came over to meet my firstborn baby and, and I was in a robe. And I was like, I'm not, I had nothing under the robe either. I was like, Good this, for you. this is how I'm presenting today. Good for you. <laughs> They're like, cool, cool, cool. But good for you, I, I literally didn't have it in me to put the clothes on, you know? Right. But. Because that's so hot. I mean, it's, it sounds like we're making a joke of a bit. When, when you're in that phase, like, everything is hard. Mm-hmm. Everything is an effort. And, of course, there are wonderful moments. Of course there are. But, honestly, for me, the first two weeks, hell. The first three weeks, well, the three weeks past that, hell-ish like yeah it, it, like it does get better you do have these moments where you look at this baby and you're like this is amazing and you do have those you have all the firsts and that's fantastic and you're growing into your new self and you've been cracked wide open and you're sort of trying to sort that out as well but honestly for me I would I just would not want to do it again <laughs> like ever <laughs> the newborn baby don't they smell so damn good do you know I they do <laughs> but well, have um, you smelled a rose? <laughs> <laughs> but for me, my favourite smell is when they... I think there's some, there's some part, when they get to about, like, nine months or something, and I guess, like, the enzymes in their <clears throat> saliva start activating or something, and all of a sudden, you can smell their spit smell. Mm-hmm. So, like, when they wake up, they've got, like, dried spit on their cheek, and you can smell it. And that is my favourite smell. I think I know what you're talking about. It's kind, it is a lovely smell. It's, you just... It's, like... It's gross because it's kind of their morning breath smell, but like you, you're not grossed out because it's your baby. Of and, um, That's what's interesting too is like nothing about my baby was that gross. Like right. changing diapers wasn't that big of a deal. No, and their morning breath still isn't that big of a deal. No. And it's so uniquely like their their imprint or them that I just right. really liked. I liked the way each of my children smell. <laughs> But you're right because it's so authentically them. Mm-hmm. They can't, you can't fake that. Right. That smell is just yours, and they're doing it without realizing. So it's it's completely unintentional. It's completely authentic. Yeah, that is that's my favorite. And now when I see newborns, I think they're fantastic, and I think, oh my goodness, I have that awful mum feeling where I'm like, I wish I'd made the most of it. I didn't make the most of it. I let it go. But honestly, that is just such bullshit because. You don't remember all the times that you made the most, but you just remember all the hard times you had. And you're just doing the best you can. And with that first one especially, you just have no fucking idea what you're doing. Like, you are just (laughs) surviving. Surviving. So, no. Not having any of that talk. Right. We did the best. Did the best we could with the tools we had at the time. Mm -hmm. Surviving. Now we're thriving. (laughs) Speak yourself. (laughs) No cup. Yeah. No. Yeah, speak for yourself. What else? I actually answered, you answered my other question in our normal conversations. So I have no Did more questions. I, oh, <laughs> um, 
I just feel like there's so much to be said for it, especially because postpartum is such a... They say it takes you two years physically to recover from childbirth. I believe that. That's wild. So That's a long time. Technically, biologically, your postpartum period is like two years. So, so we've been talking about the fourth trimester a lot and then, you know, the newborn stage. And they say they stop being a newborn at seven weeks. So we're talking like seven weeks. But actually, postpartum... I mean, the twins are what? A year and a month? A year and two months? So technically, I'm still postpartum with them right now. And if I was breastfeeding, I would definitely say I was postpartum, right? Right. Um, so it, this period can be two days, four days, two years, maybe maybe even beyond that. I mean, who knows? I don't know what the I don't actually know what the definition of postpartum is. I mean, obviously, it means post birth, right? But I don't know what the I don't know what length of time. So it's such a huge period, and, this, and it covers so much, especially if you're talking about years, because those first two years are just you know, completely life-changing and not in a good way. <laughs> I'm joking. I love them. <laughs> um, and there's so many different babies in those two years. They're just exchanging one right, version of yeah. themselves for another. And yeah, nothing is permanent. It, even the phases that I liked, I was like, oh, they're pronouncing that word correctly now. Or right. I just saw a mom on the way here. Her, she was outside with her son looking at the trash truck. That's over That's for it. me. Right. And, I, and I felt like a, a pulling, like, Oh, you didn't look at enough trash trucks. Right, right. <laughs> you did. <laughs> right. A special, but that's such a normal thing to feel like I didn't do it well enough or I didn't, you know, I, like you mentioned with the newborn moms. Yeah. I'm trying so hard not to give myself that speech because it's so, so easy for me to it's give so myself easy. that speech. Let's be better than that. Yeah. And it's, it's not true and it's not fair. It's actually. not fair. You're right. It's not fair because you, you are doing the best you can. And you're learning. And you never stop learning because they keep changing. And with every child I've had, I've had to relearn because no, no two children are the same. And they go through things at different pace and information changes also and approaches change. Like when I had my first child, we didn't start feeding until, like solid foods, for example, until six months, I think, was the recommendation. But now it's four months. Like it's changing all the time. So, right. so even if you do remember everything you did the first time, the information might be different now anyway, so... It's updated now. Right, yeah, it's updated. So you're constantly learning and constantly changing. But I guess this, I guess this would be my... I just, I think my main point, or my, the main thing I would want to convey would be just don't underestimate it. Just, yes. it is an event, whether you're talking about the first two hours, the first four weeks, the first seven weeks, the first two... Like, prepare for it as best you can because I just did not I didn't really think about it and I think that made it tougher for me mm -hmm. I love that and to honor it you know give it the right, way that that's, it nice. that's nice <laughs> that's a better way of doing it as you can see Bonnie yeah. is a wonderful mother who's <laughs> so positive You're yeah honor mother. it honor it that's true and yeah. yeah because actually that's much better because then you're sort of saying honor it for the good stuff that's unexpected but also treat it as this thing that it is, it is this huge thing, it's this huge phase, huge phase of your life, which you do need to prepare for, you do need to take it seriously. That's what I would say, take it seriously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mine's so negative, yours it. is like, honour it, and I'm like, do your fucking research, otherwise <laughs> you are fucked. <laughs> That's such, I, I love that. That's good. Thank you, Rebecca. You're Thank so you welcome. For being my we solved first. it. Thank you. You're so welcome. It was so fun. This was fun. I'm going to stop Starting. recording now. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening. The book, Entry Level Mom, will be available December 2023. Details will be listed at the website booksbybonnielippincott.com, all one word. If you want to follow along, my Instagram is booksbybonnielippincott, separated by underscores. TikTok is Entry Level Mom, and email is booksbybonnielippincott at gmail.com. Have a great day, and please remember to be kind to yourself.